There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, folks. This episode is sponsored by Luke's English Podcast Premium. That's my premium subscription service. And Premium Lepster's new premium content is coming. It's currently in the pipeline. I'm working on it. It will be coming soon, okay? So you can expect more episodes in which I teach you the English language and just help you improve your vocab, grammar, and pronunciation in the usual style, okay? So more episodes coming soon. But now let's begin this uh, new episode, which is all about Sean Connery. And here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. I think you probably just heard me say that in the jingle, didn't you? Well, there you go. And now you're hearing me say it again. Shall I say it for a third time? No, it's all right, Luke. We got it. Okay, then. Fine. Anyway, my name's Luke. Welcome to my podcast for Learners of English. Here's another new episode, one that I didn't really plan to record today and publish today, but one that I'm doing anyway. Um, I should probably <clears throat> I should probably take on a slightly more serious tone of voice. Um, at this stage, because this episode is all about Sean Connery. And as you probably know, maybe you don't know. If you don't know, then you're about to know. Uh, Sean Connery sadly died at the weekend. I say he sadly died. I don't know if he was sad when he died. I don't know. But it's sad for us. <clears throat> Sean Connery, or Sir Sean Connery, as maybe I should call him, because he did receive a knighthood from Her Majesty the Queen. So here is an episode about Sean Connery, as requested by uh, listeners of my podcast on social media. An episode about Sean Connery, or at least an episode in which I ramble on about Sean Connery. Now, <clears throat> just in case you don't know, and I'm sure that there are some people listening who don't know who Sean Connery is, um, it seems extraordinary to me and some other people, I'm sure, will be thinking, who doesn't know who Sean Connery is? I'm sure there are many, many people listening to this who don't know who he is. Maybe it's the pronunciation, Sean Connery. I don't know how you'd say that in your countries. But anyway, Sean Connery, just in case you don't know, Sean Connery was an actor from Scotland who played James Bond. That's probably his most famous role, uh, film role, James Bond. He was technically not the first James Bond. There were other actors who played him previously. But Sean Connery is considered to be the first proper James Bond. People say that he's the actor who defined the role. But he played plenty of other roles in films as well. Which ones, you might be asking? Well, let's just see from my memory, without like going onto the IMDb or Wikipedia or anything, what else did Sean Connery appear in? Let's see, he was in Indiana Jones 3, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, playing the part of Indiana Jones's dad. What else was he in? Lots of other stuff. The Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma, starring Kevin Costner. Uh, he was in Highlander. He was in Time Bandits, a Terry Gilliam film. The Hunt for Red October. And loads of others. Okay, you know what? I should probably go on to the IMDb. Uh, that's the Internet Movie Database in order to make sure that I'm not um, missing anything important because someone will be listening going, but you forgot to mention this specific film, Luke. OK, let me mention his biggest film roles. From Russia with Love. Uh, OK, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from 2003. I'm kind of... Doing the main ones, the big ones, I think. Uh, League, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, 2003. Finding Forrester in 2000. Entrapment in 1999. The Rock 
with Nicolas Cage in 1996. Dragon Heart, he played the part of the dragon in that one. He, he did the voice of the dragon. First Night, he played the part of King Arthur. Um, what else? Rising Sun, in which... The Rising Sun took place in, in Japan, I believe. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He turns up at the end as King Richard. Um, Highlander, Highlander 2, The Hunt for Red October, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Untouchables, The Name of the Rose, and various James Bond films. Also, Time Bandits, Outland, A Bridge Too Far, um, lots of other things. The Man Who Would Be King, Murder on the Orient Express, Diamonds Are Forever, um, You Only Live Twice, Thunderball, Goldfinger, From Russia With Love, Doctor No. May, I may have missed a James Bond film in there. Never Say Never Again, that one as well. Anyway, lots and lots and lots of different film uh, roles. <clears throat> so, Sean Connery, you know who I'm talking about now. Right. So, did you hear the news then? Did you hear the news? This is actually yesterday morning that the news, I think, was sort of made public that he had died. Did you hear the news? Or maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it. I'd be surprised if if this is the first time you're hearing this news. Is this a big moment for you or for people where you are in your country? Is this a big story? Do you do you care about Sean Connery? I, I don't know how significant this is to you. Although I know that some of you were definitely moved by the news and that you want me to talk about it. Um... I'll let you know how I learned about his death yesterday and I'll give some of my personal thoughts and stuff in a minute. Of course, it's sad because we loved him in films and he's gone now and it's also strange whenever anyone dies because we can't quite come to terms with the fact that someone who we knew is no longer in the world. They're just gone now. It's difficult to come to terms with that. So it's a weird feeling. I mean, we didn't know... Sean Connery personally maybe you did I don't know I don't know who you are I don't know who you are don't joke Luke it's not appropriate I it's all right I think it's okay to still be humorous in in sad moments like this it's all right as far as I'm concerned I'm not making making light of the fact that he's gone I think at times like this when a when a public figure dies I think we want to hear or read tributes to them we want to revisit some of their finer moments, to appreciate them, maybe to reevaluate their significance in the world. As people write obituaries about them, we take stock of their whole lives and we think of all the things they did, both good and bad. And this may be the case with Sean Connery, because to some extent he was quite divisive in some ways. I think largely he was celebrated. Every, most people loved him. But he did and said a few controversial things too. Um, I'm going to try and talk about those things. I wasn't planning to do this episode because, well, as you know, I've got my work cut out at the moment. I've got lots of work to do. That's what that means. If you say you have your work cut out or you've got your work cut out, it means you've got lots of work to do. So I do have my work cut out at the moment with things like the Wispolep competition, and I'm still working on that. Thank you for recent comments in response to the last episode in which I asked you for your thoughts. Also, uh, LEP Premium content, I'm also working on that, and other upcoming episodes. So I do have my work cut out. Um, I was sort of in two minds about doing this episode, thinking to myself, oh, I should probably spend this time working on that other stuff I have to do. But for some reason, I feel moved to um, do this episode right now right here and publish it as soon as I can. In terms of other stuff I've got coming up, by the way, I have another interview conversation episode with one of my friends who you haven't heard before. That's coming soon. I was planning to upload that maybe today or tomorrow, but uh, it's going to be pushed back a couple of days. I'll, I'll probably upload that one in the next couple of days. Here I am again, probably uploading too many episodes too close together, but I hope you listen to them all. But I digress. The point I was making was that when I heard the news of Sean Connery's death, I did feel sad, as I'll describe in a minute. But I didn't immediately think to myself, oh, I must do an episode about this. 
That's not what I immediately thought. The main reason being that although I used to enjoy watching Sean Connery in films, and I've always had fun imitating his voice, doing a the Sean Connery voice, which I like to do from time to time. You've you've heard me doing it on the uh, on the podcast. So um, I've always enjoyed watching him, and you know, having fun imitating his voice. And people sometimes say that my dad looks like him. I don't know if this counts as a personal connection to to Sean Connery, but people have said over the years, your dad looks like Sean Connery. Um, My Japanese friend Moto was really struck by this when he met him once. And he said, your dad looks like Sean Connery. I think he might have been a bit intimidated. So, yeah, imagine like a a shorter version of Sean Connery (laughs) as kind of... Um, what it's like. Anyway, despite all those things, I didn't, um, I don't feel that I really know enough to record a full episode about Sean Connery, or at least I, I feel I don't know enough about him to do the sort of tribute that you might expect. I mean, one filled with all the key facts about his life, a full retrospective of the man's life and work, that kind of thing. I'm not really able to do that in the time that I have available to me today. All I can do is just talk to you about what he meant to me personally. This is the thing that I have any authority to talk about. I think it's just my own personal thoughts and feelings about Sean Connery. Um, As I said, I've always enjoyed watching him in films. And by the way, the James Bond films are not my favourite Sean Connery films, I have to say. I've always enjoyed having fun with his characteristic voice. Despite those things, I was never a massive Sean Connery fan. I liked his his work, but I wasn't one of those people who just sort of like held him up as a great hero of mine. Um, That's not to say that I don't like him. I, I like him and his work, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not a super, super duper, super mega fan. Some of you out there listening are probably bigger fans of his than I am, and you might know more details about his life than I do. And please feel free to add things in the comment section if you feel that I've missed something important or significant. You may have read books about him and so on. I haven't read those books or seen all the documentaries about him or watched all the interviews with him, but I have seen a few. But I will talk about him because I think that he was a huge figure in popular culture. And he was British, of course, although actually I think he was Scottish first and foremost. He was a very proud Scot and a vocal supporter of Scottish independence. So let's say that while technically he was British, because Scotland is part of the UK and British is the adjective we use when referring to the UK. So although Sean Connery was technically British, in his heart he considered himself to be Scottish first and foremost. Also, another reason for me to do this episode is that I think that quite a lot of you out there have been expecting me to talk about Sean Connery. I know this mainly from social media and comments on my website over the last 24 hours. I've had messages requesting an episode on Sean or messages from people saying that when they heard the news that he'd died, they immediately thought of me and expected an episode about him, which is interesting because I suppose for many people, I am your portal to British culture. And you've heard me do my Sean Connery voice on this podcast quite a few times. Anyway, I think that when I get a few comments from people, even just a few comments, it's usually just the tip of the iceberg. And those few comments probably reflect the thoughts of many more of my ninja listeners who don't get in touch with me. So just a few comments probably means that there's quite a lot of you out there who were hoping I could talk about him. So I'm mainly doing this episode in response to the desire of my listeners to hear me talking about this. And it's going to go something like this. I'm going to give my personal thoughts about how I learned about his death and what went through my mind. I'll read from a BBC article about Sean Connery, just so I can cover some of the main facts about him and perhaps read some quotes from public figures who've paid tribute to him in the last few days. And finally, I think it could be fun to consider his voice and do some impressions of him and tell a couple of jokes. I don't mean to be disrespectful. 
quite the opposite. I believe that mimicry is the sincerest form of flattery. That means copying someone is a sincere way of flattering the person. I think that's true in most cases. Maybe not in the case of uh, some people that I, uh, some people's voices I copy, naming no names. Um, I don't intend to flatter everyone whose voices I copy. But I think in the case of uh, Sean Connery, um, I, I like to think of it as, as a sign of respect that I have for him. Uh, so we'll probably have some fun doing impressions of his voice. Um, we might listen to some samples of him speaking too, um, if I can find something appropriate. So my personal thoughts then. Okay, so how did I hear about it? How did I hear the news? Well, it was only about um, 24 hours ago. Yesterday morning, I think I was probably making breakfast with my wife and my daughter. And um, I think what happened was that my wife looked at her mobile phone and she kind of went (gasps) like this. She did that thing that people do when they read something (gasps) sort of surprising. She went (gasps) like that and put her hand over her mouth. And I thought, oh, someone's died. That was my first thought. She's read... um, She's read a, a bit of breaking news about someone dying. And I thought, oh, God, who is it? And I said to her, oh, God, it's not Paul, is it? Meaning Paul McCartney. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of his. So I was like, uh, you know, I said, someone's died. And she said, yeah. And I said, please tell me it's not Paul McCartney. And she said, don't worry, it's not Paul McCartney. I said, Ringo? It's not Ringo, is it? She's like, no, it's not Ringo. We then played the usual kind of little guessing game that people play in this situation where I had to try and guess. We didn't do it as a for- let's play a game. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It was more like I just tried to guess who it was. And I said, oh God, who is it? Um, is it a musician? I said, and she said, no. I said, um, British? She said, yes. And I said, okay, actor? She said, yes. And then I said, Sean Connery. Uh, that's how long it took me to, to work it out because it wasn't a complete surprise it's not like when David Bowie died in 2016, you know, Bowie had like just released a new album and a new single. And um, for the David Bowie fans, it was like, oh, he's back. This is fantastic. New work. Wonderful. David Bowie's back. He's probably going to be on TV doing interviews. And then a week later, he he was dead. That was a sh- super shock. It was like really unexpected. In the case of Sean Connery, I knew that he was unwell. I I, I didn't know exactly what was wrong. Um, I think that he, uh, he was suffering from dementia and generally, I mean, he was 90. So he was quite old and I knew that his health was, was failing a bit. I knew he was in fairly poor health. So, and also he basically retired from, from acting so um, it wasn't a great surprise. I mean, you know, there are certain celebrities who you know are very old and you haven't heard from them for a while, or maybe you've heard that they've been suffering from ill health. And so there are various celebrities who you sort of almost expect to, 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 um, to pass, pass away, even though it's very sad. Anyway, the point I'm making is it wasn't a big surprise. But it was still sad, nonetheless. And what happened next was that I think it was my brother James who texted something in in WhatsApp. We've got a WhatsApp group between me and James, my mum and dad and my wife. So the five of us have a sort of a family WhatsApp group where mainly we share pictures of my daughter, but also we do, you know, we just chat about other things. James just posted one single image into the WhatsApp group because he'd obviously heard the news. And the image was a picture of Sean Connery um, dressed as a fireman so with the fireman's uniform and a, a yellow helmet and stuff, the you know, the, he was Sean Connery dressed as a fireman. And he posted that without any text, and I knew exactly what he was saying. Um, and it, it, it spoke to me very specifically. I knew exactly what he was saying, and it was a, actually that was the moment that I kind of started to well up a little bit, if, if at all. That just was such a specific thing. And I knew exactly, it was a thing from our childhood. And it summarized 
everything really all the feelings even now as i think about it it makes me feel a little bit upset and i took the photo and i i posted it on twitter without any explanation no text or anything and i think i probably just confused everybody <laughs> maybe some people got it but i i think for most people who saw it they probably thought huh what's in fact one person on twitter asked me to explain directly please explain this so then of course naturally i explained because that's what i do isn't it i confuse people and then i explain um and um so let me explain it to you now so the the, the picture that James sent was um, a screenshot from a film. Uh, the film in question is called Time Bandits, and it's it's a film directed by Terry Gilliam. Um, Terry Gilliam, who used to be a member of Monty Python's Flying Circus, still is, I think, technically. Gilliam was the animator in Monty Python who went on to, to become a, a great film director, directing various excellent films in a really unique style. But Time Bandits is one of his films, and it's an amazing film, and it's a film that we had on video when we were children. And there are various films that we had on video growing up in the 80s that we used to watch over and over again, and they've made a very lasting impression on James and me. Star Wars is one of them. Others include things like Superman, the original first Superman film with Christopher Reeve, um, Indiana Jones, um, lots of others, The Ruttles, uh, The Beatles, Yellow Submarine, and various others. But Time Bandits is definitely one of the films that we saw again and again. And Sean Connery is in the film. He's not the main star of the film. He has a kind of a cameo appearance. A cameo is like a a short appearance by a well-known actor or a well-known person in a film not the main part but someone who kind of like appears briefly in a film so sean connery has a cameo appearance in the film and i think probably for james and me this was the first time that we ever really saw sean connery it was our introduction to sean connery the film time bandits is about a boy called kevin who lives in a boring suburb in england and um he his parents are his parents basically don't seem to care about him his parents spend their time watching tv uh, his parents are completely obsessed with uh material things like the latest microwave or the latest oven or the latest fridge freezer for the kitchen um they are living in a um soulless materialistic um consumer driven world his parents meanwhile kevin is a kid makes me emotional just thinking about it he's a kid full of imagination and he's interested in so many things he's interested in things like medieval history and myths and legends and he's full he's so bright and imaginative but his parents are just locked into the TV, looking, watching adverts for microwaves and things. Sitting on their sofa and armchairs, which are still covered in plastic because they don't want to unwrap them because they'll damage the, the, the upholstery. And Kevin, basically, like in many of Terry Gilliam's films, Kevin sort of gets lost in his own imagination as he sort of escapes from the drudgery or dullness, the boring life that he's living in, the the miserable life that he's got. So he, he just gets completely absorbed in his tales, the stories and toys that he has in his bedroom. And what happens is that Kevin... Maybe it's a dream. Maybe maybe he's asleep and he's dreaming it. Maybe he, it's just his imagination when he's playing with his toys. Or maybe it really happens to him. He's visited by... Oh, it's very hard to explain. <laughs> he's visited by time-travelling dwarves. And these time-travelling dwarves are basically servants of God who have a map. The map contains uh, black holes, which are portals through time. And they happen to... Um, one of the, the portals happens to lead into his bedroom. And one night, 
Um, he's he, he basically he travels through time, and he he travels with this gang of dwarves who are going around stealing treasure from different periods of history. And he travels through to. I've talked about this film before. Um, he meets Robin Hood. He goes to the time of the Napoleonic Wars and he, he meets Napoleon. He travels through all these amazing periods of history. Maybe it's his imagination um, based on the, the, the stories he's been reading and the toys he's been playing with. Or maybe it really happens to him. We don't know. But there's one moment when uh, Kevin uh, ends up traveling to, oh gosh, where is it? Ancient Greece? Huh. I'm revealing my um, my ignorance here. Agamemnon. Agamemnon. Okay, hold on a minute. Okay. King Agamemnon. Greek mythology. Uh, Agamemnon was a king of Mycenae, the son or grandson of King Atreus. The, uh, okay, so basically um, Agamemnon is a king from Greek myth and legend. Okay, so in one of the scenes of the film, Kevin travels all the way back to ancient Greece and he accidentally saves Agamemnon. Agamemnon is Agamemnon is fighting against uh, an enemy in order to save his his town. The town apparently has been terrorized by this enemy and Agamemnon is doing battle with him and he's losing. He's going to he's going to be killed by this enemy. But Kevin falls from the sky and inadvertently saves Agamemnon's life. Agamemnon then takes Kevin back to his town. And because Kevin has saved his life, this boy, this little English boy called Kevin has saved Agamemnon's life. Agamemnon wants to sort of take him in. He sees him as a good luck charm and he wants to accept him as, as his own son. Now, we, we are introduced by, to Agamemnon on the battlefield. He's wearing a helmet. But at the end of the battle, he removes the helmet and it's Sean Connery. Okay. <laughs> And the, the I, okay, what am I getting at? The point is that he takes his helmet off. It's Sean Connery, and this is the thing about Sean Connery. Okay, he had so much on-screen charisma. He just oozed charisma and charm. And Kevin looks up at at, at Agamemnon as an, this amazing hero that he's been reading about in his stories and stuff. And who better to play the part of Agamemnon than Sean Connery himself in the early 80s when he was, you know, still physically in his prime. Uh, Sean Connery was physically a large man, very broad shoulders, a real sort of macho specimen of a man. And he, and he has a twinkle in his eye. And um, he takes Kevin in under his wing, which is an expression, you know, as you can imagine. And he becomes a father figure for Kevin. He, he, he is everything that Kevin has always wanted, you know, a, 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 an inspiring, charismatic father figure. Unlike his loser dad, who doesn't pay him any attention in the real world. And so this was, for James and me, this was our first introduction to Agamemnon, uh, <laughs> to Sean Connery, I mean, okay? Um, and um, I won't spoil the film, well, I'll try not to, but eventually Kevin, he has to leave. He's, it's sad, it's a sad moment for him because he wants to stay with Sean Connery, but he has to leave. And he, he knows he's never going to see him again because he's going to travel through time again with these dwarves. He needs to get home as well, even though he doesn't want to. Basically, at the end of the film, he does end up back home in his suburban English home. He wakes up, apparently, from this dream. Um, and it seems the house is on fire. His childhood home is on fire. Um, it turns out it was one of the, the microwave ovens that malfunctioned one of these microwave ovens in the kitchen that his parents were so obsessed by had malfunctioned causing a great house fire his parents may or may not have survived the house fire um kevin is all on his own 
He's rescued by one of the firemen who uh, takes him outside, turns around, takes off his helmet, and the fireman in the real world is played by Sean Connery again. And Kevin can hardly believe his eyes, you know, considering what he's just been through and all that. he can't believe his eyes. There, there he is, and Sean Connery is there again with this charisma and the, the little... Um, twinkle in his eye and he smiles at Kevin and winks at him. He's just saved his life. But Kevin can, you know, is unable to say what he really wants to say, which is like, oh my God, you know, it's, it, it's you. Can I come with you? Um, um, but of course, um, the fireman gets into the fire engine with the other fireman and they, and they drive off. And at the end of the film, Kevin is left, um, left on his own. But... <laughs> I didn't realise I'd get so emotional talking about this. I really didn't. There's me at the beginning of this episode saying, I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of Sean Connery. But I did say that I'd give you my own personal account of this rather than telling you all about the the story of Sean Connery's life and all the facts and figures. You know, in 1962, who did this and blah, blah, blah. I think uh, th- this is what I went for. So you, can you see why this is an emotional thing? Because it's such a great film, such an important moment in the film, and what Sean Connery's character represents to this young boy is uh, sort of, I think, the emotional crux of the whole film, really, and the emotional high point of, of the film. So when James just texted this this image of Sean Connery, the moment in the film where he turns round and you see that it's Sean Connery and he winks at Kevin. That's the image that James sent. And, you know, you can you can see why that was significant. And I just felt moved to share that on Twitter. But of course, nobody understood the significance of it. I don't know, if maybe some of you, if you follow me on Twitter and you saw that image, maybe you knew, maybe you'd, you'd seen time, time Bandits and you knew what it all meant. But I think that a lot of you probably didn't, didn't understand it, which is fine. So anyway, there you go. That's the image I shared on Twitter. And um, what it means for me is just simply the cinematic uh, power of Sean Connery. It's hard to explain, isn't it? It's hard to explain the, 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 um, the way that an actor can put some magic on the screen. It's a weird thing. It's not necessarily specific things they do. It's just that they have charisma, and Sean Connery had charisma in 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 Spades. Um, I think I think you probably know what I'm talking about. That's the Sean Connery that I like. Um, I said before that I wasn't a huge fan of of James Bond. I mean, I enjoy the James Bond films. I did an episode about James Bond about eight years ago. I think episode 120 what 120 something. Oh, you know what? I'm going to find out, he says, scrolling through the uh, archive. 124, episode 124, around the time that uh, Skyfall came out. I did an episode about James Bond. Um, but, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of James Bond. I find, although the films are enjoyable in their way, I find the character to be a bit problematic. I mean, essentially, he is a psychopath, isn't he? He's a, he's a, he just... How many people does he kill ruthlessly without seeming to um, have any emotional reaction to doing it? Um, Also, the way he treats women is questionable, especially in the light of, you know, what's going on in the world today when um, we we should be more respectful to women, as we always should have been. Um, And Sean Connery's James Bond, well, he was a bit forceful with women sexually let's say it's all a bit problematic james bond um but regardless of all those things what sean connery gave to us was just something very engaging very captivating and fascinating as a screen presence and for some reason this is very powerful and important to us um we also got him in indiana jones and the last crusade which is a film that um, I really enjoyed and still enjoy 
to the day to this day we went to see that film as a family i think maybe my mum didn't come but james dad me and maybe one of my school friends went to see it and i remember really enjoying it and sean connery does a fantastic job of being um, indiana jones's dad which was a great addition to the franchise a uh, really good idea in the third film that they would introduce uh, sort of like an origins story for indiana jones but bringing in Sean Connery was an excellent idea, and he really brings a lot of class and charm to the film. So there you go. Anyway, that's those are my personal thoughts about it. And uh, just to explain the picture on Twitter, which I posted, if you're on the, if you listen to this on the page f- uh, for the episode on my website, you'll see that picture. If you're listening to this on YouTube, I think that's probably the picture that I've chosen. Um, okay. Let's get back down to earth a little bit and we'll have a look at the BBC News article. We're going to read through this, most of this, just so that at least I can do some of the the, the kind of more standard facts that we should probably cover in an episode like this. So I'm reading from um, a BBC News article entitled Sean Connery, James Bond actor dies aged 90. So um, here we go. Sir Sean Connery has died at the age of 90 his family has said. The Scottish actor was best known for his portrayal of James Bond, being the first to bring the role to the big screen and appearing in seven of the spy thrillers. I'm not sure he was the first. I think we've had, I think David Niven played James Bond in another film, but for all, basically he was the first. Uh, the article continues, Sir Sean died peacefully in his sleep in the Bahamas having been unwell for some time, his son said. So at least he died in his sleep. That's all we can hope for, isn't it? Um, His acting career spanned seven decades and he won an Oscar in 1988 for his role in The Untouchables, which is a great film, really entertaining Brian De Palma film, full of um, really exciting moments of tension and drama. Um. Sir Sean's other films included The Hunt for Red October, Highlander, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and The Rock. Jason Connery said his... That's Sean Connery's son, I think. Jason Connery said his father had many of his family who could be in the Bahamas around him when he died overnight in Nassau. Nassau? Nassau? Oh, God. All right. How do you pronounce? Do you pronounce... Okay, here we go. Nassau. Nassau. I think that's the American English pronunciation. Anyway, it's an island in the Bahamas. Let's go back to the article. Much of the Bond film Thunderball had been filmed there. So maybe it was an... I don't know if that means it was an important location for him. Must have been a very nice place, though. He said, uh, this is Jason, he said, we're all working at understanding this huge event as it only happened so recently, even though my dad has been unwell for some time. A sad day for all who knew and loved my dad and a loss for all people around the world who enjoyed the wonderful gift he has as an actor. His publicist, Nancy Seltzer, said there will be a private ceremony followed by a memorial yet to be planned once the virus has ended. He leaves his wife, Micheline, and sons Jason and Stefan. Um, Daniel Craig, the current James Bond, said that Sir Sean was one of the true greats of cinema. Sir Sean Connery will be remembered as Bond and so much more, he said. He defined an era and a style. The wit and charm he portrayed on screen could be measured in megawatts. He helped create the modern blockbuster. He will continue to influence actors and filmmakers alike for years to come. My thoughts are with his family and loved ones. That was uh, Daniel Craig. In reference to Sir Sir Sean's love of golf, uh, Daniel added, wherever he is, I hope there is a golf course. Dame Shirley Bassey, who sang the themes to three Bond films, including Goldfinger, paid tribute, saying, I'm incredibly saddened to hear of Sean's passing. My thoughts are with his family. He was a wonderful person, a true gentleman, and he will be forever connected, uh, and we will forever be connected by Bond. Um, What else can I say? Um, Let's see. 
Connery made the character of James Bond his own. This is the BBC article again. Blending ruthlessness with sardonic wit. Many critics didn't like it and some of the reviews were scathing. It means very critical. But the public did not agree. The action scenes, sex and exotic locations were a winning formula. In truth, his Bond is now a museum piece. The portrayal of women impossibly dated. The action scenes are still thrilling, but the sex too often bordered on the non-consensual. Meaning that the sex scenes in the film were a bit close to non-consensual sex. This is basically where James Bond grabbed a woman and kissed her, sometimes using his physical force to, to, to do it, which is very problematic, really, isn't it? Um, some of you will be going, no, it's fine. It's like, is it really? Um, thankfully, it's been a while since 007 slapped a woman on the backside, or in fact anywhere else, and forced a kiss. But Connery's performance was of its time, which means if it was of its time, it means that it was just sort of normal for that period. It was also enjoyed by millions of both sexes, and it gave the silver screen a 20th century icon. Um, Sean Connery was knighted by the Queen at... Holyrood Palace in 2000. In August, he celebrated his 90th birthday. Bond producers Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli said they were devastated by the news. Lots of James Bond stuff. James Bond, 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 Bond. George Lucas said that um, uh, Sir Sean left an indelible mark in cinematic history. Um... I will let you read more. Uh, I should probably mention something from um, Nicola Sturgeon, who is the First Minister of Scotland. Scotland's Prime Minister, basically. Scotland, as you probably know, is part of the United Kingdom. Although in Scotland they have a certain amount of devolved power, which means they have a certain amount of law-making power. But there is a very strong movement in Scotland for independence from the United Kingdom. I did an episode about it back in, I think, 2014, when um, Scotland had a referendum on independence. And the result was that I think 55% of the population said, no, we'd like to stay um, in the UK. But there's still a very strong movement towards Scottish independence, especially now, considering what's been going on in the UK with Brexit and stuff and and the way that... um, Parliament in London seems to be pushing Scotland in a direction that it doesn't really want to go in. So Scottish independence is very much a a, a thing these days. So uh, Sir Sean Connery was a long-time supporter of Scottish independence, saying in, in interviews in the run-up to the 20, uh, 2014 referendum that he might return from his Bahamas home to live in Scotland if it voted to break away from the rest of the UK. Um, I understand also he lived in Monaco for some time, but I expect he had property in Scotland that he visited from time to time. Maybe he went there to play golf. Anyway, the fact is that despite living away from the country, he did um, support Scottish independence and was a very proud Scot and a a sort of international figurehead for Scotland. Scotland's first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, said, I was heartbroken to learn this morning of the passing of Sir Sean Connery. Our nation today mourns one of her best-loved sons. Sean was born into a working-class Edinburgh family and through talent and sheer hard work became an international film icon and one of the world's most accomplished actors. Sean will be remembered as the... as uh, Sean will be remembered best as James Bond. Not Sean will be remembered as the best James Bond, because that's a matter of opinion, but he will be remembered best as James Bond, the classic 007, but his roles were many and varied. He was a global legend, but first and foremost, a patriotic and proud Scot. His towering presence at the opening of the Scottish Parliament in 1999 showed his love for the country of his birth. Sean was a lifelong advocate of an independent Scotland, and those of us who share that belief owe him a great debt of gratitude. So there's a bit of politics for you there as well, if if that's your cup of tea. Let's let's listen to a clip of him speaking, okay? Because um, for me, this is a really big thing. Um, actually, a huge thing when we talk about sort of film stars and things. For me, a massive. Um, 
aspect of this is that uh, film stars are so um, unique because of the way that they speak, not just the way that they look and the way that they move on screen and stuff, but the way that they speak, the sound of their voices. And for many of you around the world, you won't know what their voices sound like because they might be dubbed into your language. For example, in France, films are often dubbed. It's less so these days, but certainly when they're shown on television, films are often dubbed into French. And I think the the voice actors do a, a great job. I don't mean to criticise the, the people who, who do the dubbing, but simply the act of dubbing itself, I think, means that you do lose something. Um, first of all, you lose the, the, the opportunity to learn English. And we know that countries that don't dub their films uh, actually are at a huge advantage. And it might be one of the reasons why, for example, in Scandinavian countries, their English is so strong, uh, because they, they, they show a lot of content on television in English without being dubbed and often without subtitles as well. So as a result, English language um, television is totally normal. And obviously, as a result, it has a great effect on people's English. Whereas in France, it's often the case that stuff is dubbed. So first of all, people don't get the opportunity to listen to English um, on television. But also, you don't know what some of these actors actually sound like and their voices are so important. And this makes me think of people like Michael Caine and Sean Connery and Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, people like this. All people who I like to do impressions of. This is me maybe grumbling here because I was like, I do impressions of people and you don't know what they sound like. So when I do an impression of Michael Caine, I'm not saying it's the greatest, but... um, it's a pity if you don't know what he sounds like. So if, if I do a, a Sean Connery voice on the on the podcast, uh, it sort of helps quite a lot if you actually know what he sounds like. Um, let's have a little listen to Sean Connery. This is just a two and a half minute clip uh, on YouTube. Of course, there's James Bond related stuff here. <clears throat> it's hard to find any content on YouTube of, ja- of uh, James Bond, <laughs> of Sean Connery talking uh, that's not about James Bond. But um, here we go. This is him talking about whether he was worried about being typecast. To be typecast means if you play one character again and again, then um, basically the, the film industry decides that that's the only thing you can do. And audiences will only ever as, uh, associate you with that role. So you think of someone like Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker in you know those three Star Wars films. And he had real trouble in his career for a while where he was typecast as Luke Skywalker that audiences couldn't watch him in a film without just seeing Luke Skywalker. Um, Someone like Daniel Radcliffe, I think, has done quite well to avoid being typecast. He's obviously known for being Harry Potter, but he did various other roles and worked very hard at um, at his image so that he's... He's not just Harry Potter now. He, he's got his own um, acting career and he can do other roles. But so Sean Connery also managed to avoid being typecast as James Bond, although we, you know, all we're talking about here is James Bond. Uh, but he did go on to, to do many other films and um, managed to establish himself as an actor in his own right, um, apart from the... Uh, the role of James Bond. So this is just him talking in an interview on uh, an American chat show, 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes? I think it is. I think it's what it's called. But you can find this on YouTube and I'll be putting the video on the page for this episode. Let's just listen. It's two and a half minutes long. I just want you to listen to what he says and just listen to the sound of his voice and enjoy it. I'll probably break this down if I feel it's necessary afterwards. Here we go. 60 Minutes. Rewind. The Bond thing, I can remember back just from my own personal memory. This is the interviewer, by the way, whose name is uh, Steve Croft. I can remember back just from my own personal memory, back when you stopped doing the Bond films initially, um, and saying that you wanted to do other things, even though everybody wanted you to be James Bond forever. And you wanted to go out and establish yourself and get people mm. thinking about you as Sean Connery. Mm. You finally did it. 
I mean, I don't think that people, when they look at you now, or they think when they hear your name, they don't automatically think of uh, James Bond. They think of uh, of Sean Connery. Yeah. Well, do you feel like that's happened? It's like beauty, you know, in the eye of the beholder. I mean, uh, if the people see it this way, there's really um, only so much you can do in terms of trying to change their view of something. And a lot of people um, still say, hello, Mr. Bond, and, you know, like uh, as though one has never heard it before. And because it's they're still making them it'll, it'll always be there um, but I did it basically for myself you know what I mean to get a, a change of um, job a change of position change of seeing thing, way of seeing things and doing things especially as an actor I just found it became very limiting another thing that's interesting is uh, go, going back and reading material uh, people assume that that was more you know more or less a cartoon role um, but in fact you really define that character. Yeah. The Bond in the movie is not exactly the same as the, the Bond in the book. No, no, no. Was it you that, that came up with the, with the nuances, or did you do it with the director? No, it's, um, I think that Terence Young had more to do with any, than anybody. We had the same sense of humor, and so we wrote the jokes in the business end. I mean, some of the stuff, obviously, was Fleming. I mean, there's no question, but... Um, we shared uh, a lot of the humor. Most of the one-liners and stuff I put in the movie. And the looks and the, oh, yeah, the well, expressions, the, the attitude. Oh, yeah. Well, one wanted very much to get... Uh, we both agreed that we should have uh, somebody that was uh, could be capable of doing all the things like snapping the necks and firing the guns and smoking himself to death and, and all the chasing and the sex, all the stuff that goes with it. But to have a kind of counterbalance of humor, so it never really lost itself completely in that kind of serious world of spies. But it had to be, it had to believe that the guy could be dangerous. So we played that. Okay, that's just a little sample of what Sean Connery actually sounds like there. And uh, so just to kind of summarize, why did he do Bond was, I guess, the first question. And he said that he did it for himself. Is that the first question? Uh, I'm not sure it's the first question. It's mainly the first point that he makes. Why did he do Bond? He did it for himself, I think, because it was probably a good opportunity for him to, you know, to get, uh, you know, when you're a young actor, you need a big part like that in a, a big production. So he did it for himself at the beginning. Uh, but then it became limiting for him, as you can imagine, you know, just when you just play one character again and again and again as an actor, you want to be able to do more than that. You want to be able to, you know, have a wider range of of um, performances and stuff like that. You want to be able to do more. So the character became limiting. The next question was basically about whether he defined the character that we see on screen. So how much of the the character of James Bond was created by sean connery himself and connery mentioned you know that a lot of it was of course ian fleming the the writer of the original books but that with who maybe the director or script writer or producer or someone he did manage to have some say over uh, the way that uh, bond was portrayed in films by by him and um he basically said that he should he thought that bond should be someone capable of all of the action that you see capable of being ruthless capable of snapping necks and shooting people and stuff and 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 all that sort of thing so a certain level of realism that you sh- he should be a believable um uh spy but with a counterbalance of humor so that you don't get completely lost in that r- rather harsh world um that's homicidal world of james bond completely Without, you know, you need some humour in there too to balance it out. So uh, he mentioned that he added one-liners. These are like little jokes. I I mean, James Bond became known for those one-liners. Those are, and they became hallmarks of uh, Hollywood action heroes. You think of Arnold Schwarzenegger's characters, you know, he often had one-liners. But a one-liner would be something like, I think in Doctor No, the first James Bond film, there's a scene where, um, James Bond is on a beach with a girl and um, a bad guy is approaching them 
and James Bond turns around and uses a harpoon gun, one of those guns that you would use to, to hunt for fish in the sea. It shoots a, a sort of arrow with a cable on the end of it, you know, to catch fish. He shoots a harpoon gun at this bad guy, which um, uh, obviously which stabs him and kills him. And I think it sort of sticks him to a tree. And uh, Sean Connery's James Bond goes, I think he got the point right <laughs> you know those sorts of things and that quickly became quite cheesy what are some of the classic one-liners okay come on um james bond one liners let's have a little listen to some of these oh my goodness there's 55 of them oh my word some of these will be roger moore as well i think are your courage miss trench okay i admire your courage miss trench Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. Okay, the 55 greatest Bond one-liners. Okay, so we've just seen, uh, I guess, uh, a bad guy uh, driving off the edge of a cliff on a motorbike. Um, one bad guy or two bad guys, probably James Bond rammed the the guy off the edge of the cliff and he's falling to his death. And what's James Bond going to say? All those feathers and he still can't fly. All those feathers and he still can't fly. So the, okay, what must have happened is, oh, this, this really works well, doesn't it, when you explain it? Um, the motorcyclist was covered in feathers, so probably, I don't know, something had happened, and he flew off the edge of the cliff and died. And Roger Moore, all those feathers, and he still can't fly. I mean, not very funny. Here's a car uh, that's going off the edge of a cliff and exploding. James Bond, played by Sean Connery, is looking down. I expect that James Bond has just, um, you know, pushed the car off the cliff or something. And what's he going to say? How did it happen? How did it happen, says um, a local man. And Sean Connery says... I think they were on their way to a funeral. I think they were on their way to a funeral. <laughs> okay, here's, uh, Sean, uh, here's Roger Moore. Roger Moore as James Bond. And he's about, and a bad guy is in a car on the edge of a cliff, of course. And Roger Moore is going to kick the car sending the car and the bad guy over the edge, killing him. And uh, what's he going to say? Had no head for heights. He had no head for heights. I think the guy got decapitated as well in the accident. If you don't have a head for heights, it means that you get scared when you're in a high place. I mean... It's the tricky thing with James Bond, because on one hand, you've got like a very ruthless killing. And then, oh, that's a little bit dark, isn't it? So let's lighten the mood with a terrible joke. So ruthless murder and really bad jokes. If that's what you like, James Bond is for you. Um, all right. Shall we listen to some of that interview again? Be James Bond forever. And you wanted to go out and establish yourself and get people mm. thinking about you as Sean Connery. Mm. You finally did it. I mean, I don't think that people, when they look at you now, or they think when they hear your name, they don't automatically think of uh, James Bond. They think of, uh, of Sean Connery. Yeah. Well, there's Do you still feel a like that's happened? It's like beauty, you know, in the eye of the beholder. I mean, uh, the, the people see it this way. There's really um, only so much you can do. In There's only uh, so much you can do. There's only so much you can do. How do you do a Sean Connery impression? Okay, uh, you've got to start with a bit of a Scottish accent like that. You've got to start with a Scottish accent. Not like that. Not that kind of, but it's a very, it's quite a subtle Edinburgh accent, really. Um, it's not that strong. And sometimes it kind of becomes a little American as well. Um, but you've got to lower your voice, lower your voice as down uh, low as it can get. And then every, and then you've got to sort of purse your lips. So stick your lips out. A, no, no, that's not very good. Out. No, stick your lips out a little bit. Just push them out slightly. And then every S sound becomes a sh sound. So double O seven, license to kill. So everything you say ends up sounding very low, very deep. 
with a with a sh sound instead of an s sound. And there you go, you've got your Sean Connery accent. In terms of trying to change their view of something, and a lot of people um, still say, hello, Mr. Bond, and, you know, like uh, as though one has never heard it before. A lot of people say, hello, Mr. Bond, as if uh, one has never heard it before. Um, he's saying a lot of people say, hello, Mr. Bond, when they see him, as if one has never heard it before. He's saying one meaning as if uh, I have never heard it before. It's a slightly old-fashioned style of speaking. Um, and uh, there you go. I think we're going to end with uh, a couple of jokes here. Okay, these are jokes based entirely on the fact that Sean Connery, instead of saying s, will say sh. Okay, so are you ready? Here comes joke number one. What time does Sean Connery arrive at Wimbledon? What time does Sean Connery arrive at Wimbledon? The answer, tenish. Joke number two. Why does Sean Connery hate crabs? Why does Sean Connery hate crabs? Because they're shellfish. And uh, what did Sean Connery say when a book fell on his head? What did Sean Connery say when a book fell on his head? He said, I can only blame my shelf. Okay, <laughs> let's dissect the frog. What time does Sean Connery arrive at Wimbledon? Wimbledon, you know, is a famous tennis tournament in London. Okay, what time does Sean Connery arrive? He arrives at tennish. So, tenish means about 10 o'clock. If you add I-S-H at the end of a time, 10-ish, 11-ish, 11.30-ish, it means at about that time. So, tenish means at about 10 o'clock. But also, tenish sounds like the way that Sean Connery would say tenish, you see. Oh, does, would anyone like to have a spot of tenish? Oh, you mean tennis? Yeah. Okay. What time does Sean Connery arrive at Wimbledon? Tennis. It's it's a good joke. And, you're, and someone's going, no, it's not. And it's, no, you're wrong. It's a good joke. And that is that. Next one. Why does Sean... This is less good. Why does Sean Connery hate crabs? Because they're shellfish. They're shellfish. Are crabs shellfish? So, um, in terms of like... Well, let's say in terms of seafood, you've got fish... Is it just seafood? You don't have to. Maybe just animals in the sea. Fish and seafood. Uh, sorry. Fish and sea. F- Let me try again. What are shellfish? Okay. Shellfish. Definition. Just to be sure. Any kind of edible aquatic invertebrate animals having a shell, especially mollusks such as clams and oysters and crustaceans such as lobsters, crabs, and shrimp. So it's basically animals that live in the sea that we usually eat, but they're not fish. They're ones that have shells, or they have like um, an exoskeleton, like a a crustacean, like a lobster or crab. So why does uh, Sean Connery hate crabs? Because he thinks they're shellfish. Shellfish. Selfish. So this is Sean Connery saying selfish. It would sound like shellfish. Yes. It's not that great because it only works in one sense. I mean, the fact that they are shellfish is no reason to hate them, is it? You know, because they're crustaceans, that's no reason to hate to hate them. Um, but the, the, if they're selfish, that's a reason to hate them. But crabs aren't really selfish. So, okay, the, jo- the, gr- the joke is crap. It's just funny because shellfish sounds like the way that Sean Connery would say selfish. And crabs are shellfish. Okay, and thirdly, what did Sean Connery say when a book fell on his head? He said, I can only blame my shelf, which is better. Um, I can only blame my shelf. So your shelf is the place where you would put your books. You have shelves in your in your home and you put your books on the bookshelves and you have bookends that hold the books on the, end, on the bookshelves. Shelves made of wood, usually. Yes, so I can only blame my shelf means that it, it's because uh, the the shelf was responsible for the book falling off. But I can only blame myself is a common phrase, which means it was my fault and nobody else's. What did he say when a book fell on his head? I can only blame my shelf, meaning I can only blame myself, but also, haha, I can only blame my shelf because that's where you keep your books, isn't it? Now, that is a better joke because the, the joke works in both ways. 
I can only blame myself. I can only blame my shelf. And Sean Connery, when he says, I can only blame myself, it would sound like I can only blame my shelf. Ah, okay. Ha ha ha. Great. Okay. (laughs) I don't mean to, um, what's the word for it? Be uh, glib in the face of uh, the sad news. But, um, you know, like the Irish and probably the Scottish and the English should do this, but uh, they don't do it as much. For certainly, uh, you know, the Celtic tradition is that when someone has died, you celebrate them by having fun and laughing and and have a big party and you have um, music and dancing and laughter and 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 so on. You have a big blowout. So it's not completely inappropriate to tell a couple of jokes at the end, and it's they're not at the expense of Sean Connery. They are an expression of. Um, of fondness and affection for him okay well there you go that's the end of this episode Um, i think that i'll be uploading another one pretty soon this is just a sort of little bonus episode um, an unplanned bonus one i hope you have enjoyed listening to this it got a little bit emotional in the middle when i started talking about time bandits (laughs) Um, but uh, leave your comments in the comments section tell us what you think of sean connery both good and bad, if you like, but just leave your leave your your thoughts and responses there. Um, that w- it would be nice to uh, to read your take on this. But um, in memory of Sean Connery, this has been my episode. Um, what a great movie star! And uh, they don't make them like that anymore, do they? No, they don't. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you again on the podcast soon, but for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.